You want to start your own podcast, but you need an easy, low-cost, and powerful platform to use. Anchor is your answer. Anchor has dynamic creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor distributes your podcast for you, so your audience can find you on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other popular platforms. And Anchor beats low cost. It's free to use. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast, all in one place. Now that Anchor has taken away the obstacles and those excuses, you can finally get started on that podcast. After listening to this episode of Heroes Garage, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to begin your podcast adventure. This is Michael Coe from the Punk Rock and Politics Podcast, and you're listening to some of the best podcasts available on the internet, only on the No Phony Podcast Network. This is a weekly podcast where we review shows and movies. Bill, how are you today? I just like it since we just summer summarize it a lot more now. Instead of our long laundry list of what we do, it's just shows and movies. That's it. Yeah, it would be different if we circled wagons around horror or fantasy or science fiction <laughs> or superheroes. But every now and then, we'll, we will tackle a documentary. Um, yep. We'll tackle a real crime show or something outside of these genres. Yes. So why why clarify when there is no clarification? I know. I know. Just keep it open and free and breezy. Yeah, I agree. Kind of like the Bears defense the other day. <laughs> <laughs> More of the shabby Bears offense. Yeah, it was an open enough. <laughs> but, you know, people aren't here to listen to sports, Tom. No, they're here to talk about our review, which this week is the Netflix original show Vampires vs. the Bronx. Right, your PG-13 movie. Mm. Which yep. I would definitely say it is geared towards the PG-13. Yeah, this this is a children's show. It is a 2020 release directed by Osmany Rodriguez. Its writing right. credits go to Osmany Rodriguez and the screenplay also to that individual. But Blase Hemingway is also credited with the screenplay. How would I say that name accurately? Because I don't think that they would enjoy being called Blase. Never mind. <laughs> I, you know, sometimes I want to dip my toe 
doing it. The other times, I'm just walking away. This is walking away right now. Yeah, just nothing to see here. Turn away, turn away. Okay, <laughs> um, speaking of turning, let's turn our attention over to the cast. We have Jaden Michael as Miguel Martinez. We have Gerald Jones III as Bobby Carter. We have Gregory Diaz IV as Luis Acosta. Sarah Gadon as Vivian. Method Man as Father Jackson. Shay Wiggum as Frank Polidori. Coco Jones as Rita. The Kid Miro as Tony. Chris Red as Andre. Vladimir Kayamino as Papa. And I'm going to stop there because I'm starting to really struggle. Although yeah, Jeremy Harris. I can, Jeremy Harris, I can say. He plays Henny. Yeah, that's an easy one. Yeah. I mean, well, I you wanna... know what's great is is uh, I like how they're able to pull in some of these actors like Shea Wiggum, who we saw in, um, uh, let's say, Perry Mason was the last one we saw him in. He was in The Joker. He played mm-hmm. one of the cops in that. So he's one of those recognizable faces that's been in a lot of movies, and they get sucked into these now and then. I think they – because – I don't know. You know, I'm trying to figure out how actors get sucked into these type of movies, but um, I guess they just do and they just want to work and it doesn't matter, Tom. I mean, I don't think it does matter. No, it doesn't. No, if you need a paycheck and not that everything comes down to money in a consumer based society where all of our goods, services and benefits come from the money we make. Wink, wink, narc, narc. Um, but, you know, you need to work. You want to keep your face out there. And right. so he does. He, he does. There. And there's nothing wrong with it, actually. And so no, Sarah, Sarah Gunnan is the same way. She's been in a lot of movies and a lot of bit parts. And so, again, it's it's all about adding more credits to your um, your list of movies, right? In some cases, in the case of Zoe Zaldana, who makes a... Brief appearance, you oh, want yeah, to have a definitely. big name, right? <laughs> yeah, it is a brief, uh, it definitely brief. And I, when I saw her, I was like, wait a second, I know her. <laughs> no, it's Gamora. <laughs> it's Gamora. <laughs> You're not green anymore. What's going on? But I think it's great because, you know, this is an, uh, an independent movie, uh, you know, made for Netflix. And it, it must be that they know somebody and, you know, it's like, hey, can you just be in my movie here for a little bit? And, and they sure say, sure, what the heck? It definitely raises the interest level when a Zaldana shows up, right? Yeah. You want, you, when you see that, you're like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but even if it's only at the beginning of the movie and it, it isn't an entire movie, Full of cameos, like another movie we reviewed. Right. right. Um, she does make a cameo, but this is actually more about the other characters here. Anything of note you want to pull out of this list of cast members? No, I think we could just move on. We we hit we hit the list. Okay, let's move on to the story, Bill, and I'm going to turn it over to your capable hands to unpack a spoiler-free summary of this show. Yes, it, what's funny is I, I love the um, actually the one sentence definition of the movie is a group of young friends from the Bronx fight to save their neighborhood from gentrification. Oh yeah, and vampires. 
Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, so let's dive into this. I'm going to say right off the bat, I enjoyed myself in this film. Okay. I did. I did. Uh, I like the creativity of it, of the story that you're taking, um, you're taking a traditional uh, vampire type of, you know, what story where they're out in the country or in some big castle. And there's how many vampire movies do we see uh, that are like that? I think the last one that was more suburbia was Fright Night. Remember that one, Tom? I don't remember that, but uh, but continue. That was a big 80s hit. Big 80s oh, gotcha. hit. And then yeah. they did a remake. And the remake wasn't that bad. Um but it was, uh, again, m- messing with the genre of now moving vampires to the suburbs. And this one is moving even deeper into uh, the Bronx. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, which which is, is kind of an interesting little take. Um, and so uh, it, that kind of piqued my interest. Now, I think that. Again, this is really a PG um, 14, 13, whatever grade they give it these days type movie. So you're not going to be taken with a lot of special effects. You're not going to be it's it's going to be a, a kind of a head above your after school special for those of us that know what after school specials were all about. Yeah, that's where we watched Gamera and Godzilla and some of these other wonderful movies. No, that was the, actually the, the movie that came on right before the after school special. But um, getting back to something that you mentioned, Bram Stoker in Dracula, the groundbreaking Dracula um, material. He actually goes to London, England in that story. Um, very not often noted fun fact. No, you're right. You're right. I think what makes this more interesting here in this is that you not, are. But in, let's be clear, not more interesting than Dracula, though, correct? <laughs> that's right. That's right. OK, this movie remind me a lot. And I don't know if you ever saw it. It was a 2011 movie called Attack the Block. Did you ever see that? No, I'm, I'm okay. bad at a thousand here. I know. Attack the Block was this alien based movie in South London when these kids are defending the block from an alien invasion. Hmm. So fast forward nine years later, it's the same type of theme, but with vampires, right? Mm-hmm. Now in that movie, a John Boyega, does he sound familiar, Tom? Do you know a John Boyega? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He reminds me of a, of a character whose name was, truncated because of how long his imperial name was and he was reduced down <laughs> to a shorter name um he had a very interesting role to play in the very first film but then seemed to slide off a cliff a little bit as the series moved along but i digress what tom is talking about is of course finn from star wars and he made his he cut his teeth in this independent science fiction movie called attack the block which if you haven't seen it, it is a lot of fun. It's a lot more fun in the, because it's rated R, so there's a lot more 
I would say, um, horror related type of, um, Mm. theme in it, but it's a great fun, fun movie. And Mm. so this is more of a toned down version in America where vampires are in the block. And of course, only these kids are the ones that see what's going on. And of course it's the usual, the adults don't see it and they have to warn everybody, but nobody wants to listen. Does that seem like a, a theme that runs always with kids in movies? Yeah, it kind of parallels what's happening in real life society where teenagers are running around doing a lot of things and the adults know about 10% of what the teenagers are actually doing and saying. Right. Kind of a left turn there, but I'll take it. <laughs> I should have just said yes. You're right. This is kind of a it's not a trope, but it is a like often that, that these kinds of stories kind of fall into, right? Now, what I liked about this is it wasn't overplayed, it wasn't overacted, it wasn't the story wasn't overdone. It seemed very natural to me in this type of setting of what this material was presenting itself as vampires in a setting of New York in the Bronx, where it's low-income housing, minority-based, and they have a lot of their cues that are in there that is probably Bronx-driven, right? Where the gentrification of the neighborhood which is a lot of city neighborhoods happen. It just sense, happens that the gentrification is driven by vampires. So that's my one spoiler. I don't think I'm just going to kill it for anybody. But anyway, to me, I liked how the story is for a, a nice kind of goosebump, a bump above goosebump horror film in mm-hmm. a urban setting. And um, like I said, it is minority based. Um, Puerto Rican kids, Afro-American kids um, that are the lead characters. And to me, I, I really like that because it gave you that urban feel. Yeah, I think they 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 set up the aesthetic. I'll call it the aesthetic, the context, um, the social context um, through the neighborhood. I thought they set up really well. I thought the visuals did a lot to, to to handle that. I thought the way the kids interacted with each other, but also interacted with the adults, I thought that was really interesting and well played. Um, the music, I thought the music was a highlight in this. Yeah, and pretty cool. I, so I thought that was cool. And so I think story-wise, they did a really nice job of of maintaining the line. Like this is mm-hmm. this is where this takes place, mm-hmm. and it didn't feel like it it stepped out of that which was a good thing yeah and i didn't think it got goofy either that that's the right that's the part of this has become slapsticky it becomes you know over the top silliness um wisecracker you know type of you know Mm -hmm. things that are always got those characters but you got the themes of Mm -hmm. gangs you got the things of um, uh, kids without fathers. You have the neighborhood hangout place. You got the corner, right? You have the the church, and so the block party. The block party that everybody's supposed to go yeah. to, 
And then you have, you have the, the wise guy. You have a wise guy, but it's not like an over the top wise guy. Okay. Right? Okay. But even He's the wise guy light. <laughs> That's right. We, let, well, let's put this way. He's not a, the wise guy isn't a foul mouth, stereotypical uh, preteen, right. right? That, you know, like a goonie, right? The, when you have the goonies are this big, you know, all these kids are cussing and swearing. They're 12 years old. These, this isn't like that at all. It, and this is supposed to be in the urban no. setting where it's all mm-hmm. supposed to be like that. So they get away yeah. from those type of stereotypes where these are yeah, good kids. Yeah. Now, now I'll unpack my joke. Wise guy meaning they have an Italian-American character who's connected to the vampires <laughs> who's moving the bodies. So there you the, go. The wise guy. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. Well, it, what's my funny, joke. too, I, I like about it is what what is also funny is all the the vampires are all white too, and they kind of poke fun at that, which which yeah. is great because it's part of the gentrification and and they play on it and I, I like how they play on it and um, again it's like every typical type of horror film where you know only somebody sees what's happening and nobody believes them and then you have you know they have to take everything on themselves to confront this infestation. And uh, I liked it. I really did. I liked that story. I, um, you know, we're going to have a review on the other side of the coin of the boys, which is so extremely over the top. So we have definitely seen some contrasting type of films (laughs) and shows here when you have this one is really kid friendly, you know, very toned down, but it still has a thrill and it has some hor- light horror to it, and it really wasn't boring to me. And it was one of those things I was just flipping through the channels, and I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to just watch this. And my family just rolled their eyes and go, Dad's going to watch one of these B movies again. And it turned out to me it wasn't that type of film. I think uh, in keeping with the theme here, it, the runtime is only an hour and 25 minutes. I think that works to its favor. I yes. think the pacing is is correctly managed. Um, there aren't these dull like spots and pockets where the where the film just kind of loses the audience. And so I think the pacing and the length of the film goes a lot towards keeping the interest and in the and kind of keeping the interest of the viewer. Yeah, it doesn't get lost in the backstory. It doesn't feel like you have to tell the story of every single kid's background, what they're up against. They show enough that you get it. And yeah. um, and so it follows along. They get right into it, and which is like to what you're saying, it's, it's short. And because it's short, um, they don't waste a lot of time getting into the series. You're in it right away. And that does play to the benefit of something like this, which could easily lose its way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So when you think of entertainment value in the story itself, what did you think? Well, I think, you know, from an entertainment standpoint, remember, this is for kids. It is a, yeah. a PG, um, you know, 14. I'm, I'm almost forgetting 13, 14. Anyway, um, that's, you know, that's the rating. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's not going to be blood and guts. It's not going to be over the top sexualized. It's not going to have the, like you said, run of the foul mouth. And so people who are used to that, even kids that are exposed to that, unfortunately, this may be strange to them. But for me, it's refreshing because I believe it does carry itself. It has a goosebump feel to it. That's a, like I said, it's a little more edgier than a goosebump, and it's a little more urban than a goosebump, but it still has that feel. But it's better. It's done better than that because I've seen my kids grew up on goosebumps and watched the movie Goosebump with Jack Black. There's so much silliness and goofiness and you know over the top type of romances and all these things. This felt it was more natural rather than making it movie. Right. Do you know what I mean? The movie romance, the movie, you know, play on those, um, you know, film type romance, even if it's a teenager or preteen. Uh, it's I thought it was still entertaining. It's refreshing to know that this type of movies are out there. Yeah, absolutely. So if you were going to rate this, what would you rate this? A thumbs up sideways or down? Oh, I definitely give it a thumbs up. Um, it's a Hollywood classic for a classic. It's not even classic yet. What am I saying? <laughs> it's, it's a Hollywood, it's a, a Halloween movie that I think you could fit into the preteen, um, group and it does a great job and it moves along. And now to me, the ending was over the top silly, but, um, it almost as if the studio walked in and said, you know, we got to end it kind of a little more like all the other movie endings end, which I was like, uh, kind of took it away a little bit for me, but, uh, I give it a thumbs up. I thought it was, um, it's worth watching, especially if you have those, um, you know, preteens. Mm-hmm. How about you, Tom? You haven't really, well, I want to kind of like running with it here. Yeah, I wanted to bring up a discrepancy in, in how people are receiving this material. So you look at the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, and they're giving it a 90, and the audience is giving it a 43. So let's unpack that. Um, as I'm looking at the first three or four, people are saying that it's boring in the audience, um, but other folks are liking the representation of gentrification, my marginalization of certain groups they like that about the film there's a lot of easter eggs in it they like that about it there's a light-hearted fun to it there's a haunted kind of gentrification of vampire theme to it um i think what what we're hitting on here the people that don't like it are saying that it's boring and i will have to say i found it to be a little boring but I found the story itself boring. I found the aesthetic, the music, the context, all that social stuff I found very interesting. And not that I was hoping for more, because I really, once you figure out that it's just a kid's film, you don't really hope for this big grandiose story. But I would would agree that I didn't find it the most scintillating show in the world, the entire world to watch. I don't know that I would give it a 43. Um, I would probably give to 71 i'd probably stay with an odd number on that um and over 
overall, I would probably give it a sideways thumb, leveling slightly up. Um, but I don't think about this show like, oh, you got to go watch Vampires versus the Bronx. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, not at but, all. I, I, I think that it's one of those movies that it's safe, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you have a 10, 11, 12-year-old, it's safe. That's really who the yeah, audience yeah. is for. Yeah, this is a safe show. And I think maybe probably a downer for, for me is I watched another show on Disney that premiered this last Friday, which was very safe. And that entire series is very, very safe. And they never really take much of a chance on that show. And so hmm. maybe I was wanting more chances but this is a kids movie you're not gonna take a bunch of chances with a kids movie they kind of hit all the beats that a kids movie should hit um they've got lessons in here they've got relationship stuff in here um they keep it pg 13 ish and probably the 13 comes with the bodies like the vampires like biting a neck or something you don't have cussing and a bunch of adult stuff like layered into a kid's film which i think is horrendous i hate it when they do that so yeah. it doesn't do any of that. So all of that's a, a plus for me. Yeah, and exactly. And that's the hard part when somebody finds it boring is think about um, all the type of shows that we watch, right? Yeah. And all the type of movies that we watch. And a lot of them are heavy adult themes. And, yeah. <clears throat> you know, there has to be those type of films that it's all ratcheted up. Where this is not, because it, it does stay in the kids. And, you know, you and I grew up, and we saw a lot of films that it was edgy for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go back and mm-hmm. see The Goonies now, that film is edgy. And mm-hmm. uh, kids are swearing and cussing. There's adult themes all over the place. But it's a classic, Tom. And mm-hmm. uh, to have something like this, and I guess, be dumbed down would somebody call it and maybe it's boring because again our media intake has been so much uh, that when you see something like this it's almost as if it's like oh you know i'm not going to see any heads exploding i'm not going to see any you know blood pouring out well that's boring that, that's how i take it that's my interpretation of, yeah of the viewing audience. i would say it's yeah, I would say it's boring because the story doesn't really do a whole lot. It doesn't step right. out of the box at all. So I think the story itself is kind of boring. I think the kids running around and all the, the aesthetic of all that, that's interesting. I think they built a nice little universe to tell stories in. I thought that's interesting. But the story itself was kind of like, eh. um, But, you know, to each their own and... I would definitely give this a thumbs up. I think for the audience that it was intended for, I think it's a good movie. Yeah, well, I think that's uh, – I won you over from the sideways to the up, so I accomplished that. Yeah. Yes, you did. Hey, that wraps us up for Vampires versus the Bronx, Tom. So for now and until next time, this has been Heroes Garage. Bye now.